Assalamualaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope. We just sit back and have a conversation on what it means to live your best life. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know I am all about entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship, personal finance, and people keeping track of their coin. And I and I do that, and I love it so much because money, whether we embrace it, understand it, feel it, want it, desire it. It is a an essential part of our lives and how we live our lives and can affect, impact the quality of our life. And as I'm talking to two educators on this show about how they're monetizing their talents, you know, I've brought on uh, certified uh, planners. I brought on accountants. I brought on other people who work in personal finance to talk about that money in for uh, educators. So hopefully they, they're able, able to elevate uh, what they are bringing in and able to maximize their savings and investing, et cetera. But from time to time, and I want to do this more, I brought on folks who work with young people with entrepreneurship and finance. And that is just what we're going to do today. I've been trying to get my guest on this show for a very long time, and we are blessed to have her on today. Jacqueline Collins teaches in the K through 12 uh, area of education who teaches entrepreneurship and finance. And that's what we're going to be talking about uh, today. And I'm excited. We had a great conversation before this interview started. So I'm really pumped up, really amped to make this happen. So for those who be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Citrus, Spotify, and Audible, will you please introduce yourself, Jacqueline? Hi, everyone. I'm Jackie Collins. I am a business teacher at Mansfield High School, which is about 30, 35 miles south of Boston. And I am so excited here to be here with you, Dr. Will. And I think third time's the charm. <laughs> we, had, we had a couple dates planned, and I think we each had to reschedule at one point. So third time's the charm, and I'm, I'm so excited to be here with you today. All right. Thank you. So I'm always curious as to how people got to where they are. What did you think you'll be doing when you were growing up? And how did you find yourself in K-12 education? <laughs> well, I wanted to be a doctor when I grew up. And I found myself doing an internship in high school at the hospital. And I quickly found out that a career in medicine was not for me. I saw blood and I just did not do well. So I went to college and became an accounting major eventually. And... I got headhunted right out of college to work at a software company that made accounting software. So I did not intend on being a teacher. My parents are actually both retired public school teachers, and I did not want anything to do with that. I did not want to do what they were doing. So I worked in business uh, for seven years, and I did everything you could think of within software and ultimately landed in consulting. And it was there that I got the bug for teaching. I was training my clients. I was teaching my clients how to use the software that I was working with. And I thought, wow, I really enjoy this. I, I love teaching my clients and maybe maybe I could do this all day long. 
So I secretly took the teaching tests. I got my teaching license and I dropped the ball on everyone that I was going to change careers and everyone was shocked, but it, it worked out. My, my first teaching job was actually as a middle school math teacher. And I was in the same school and department with my dad. He was a middle school math teacher. So it was great to be colleagues with my dad. But after that first year of teaching, I really missed business. I missed technology. And so I started looking to see what was out there. And I honestly had no idea that business was a class in school. I had no idea that they taught business in high school. And I found myself at Mansfield and I'm happy to report this is my 17th year at Mansfield High School teaching business and technology classes. And, and this was where I was meant to be. This is what I was supposed to do. That is amazing. So in consulting, you're working with adults. So why become a K through 12 teacher versus going on to higher ed? I, I wanted to teach. And when I thought more about that, when I reflected on it, I, the appeal of helping students kind of figure out who they were and where they wanted to go, that, that was appealing to me. And I, reconsidered what my parents were doing <laughs> and what they had done. And I thought I could be, I thought I could be good with that. I, I had always uh, been a tutor throughout school, you know, throughout high school. And I was a teaching assistant in college and I don't know. I just, I, I wanted to go toward the younger students, not, not the older students and not adults. All right. So can you describe a teaching entrepreneurship in education? In K through twelve, like what does that look like, and why is it such important for students at this age? You know, it's it's not all that common. I don't think as many schools have it as as should, and the way that I teach it is probably different than a lot of other people. You know, when I first started teaching it, it was very theoretical. We taught students how to create business plans. We taught students how to fill out paperwork, you know, come up with a business plan, basically. And I found that to be far too high level for them. They couldn't, they couldn't grasp the amount of money that they needed to create a, a business plan for a really big business, or it, it might as well have been $5 million or $50,000, it was still more than they could pull out of their pocket. And so I had to bring it down. Um, you'll appreciate this because you, you know, we talked about you spending a little bit of time in Boston, but I once had a student create a business plan for putting a golf course in Cambridge. And you and I both know that Cambridge is not an area of Boston that has enough space for a golf course, or if you even were to obtain land in Cambridge, that would be astronomical in price. It just, it's not feasible. So when that hit me, I knew I couldn't teach entrepreneurship in the same way anymore. I needed to bring it down to a level that my kids could really grasp. So I teach my students to run small businesses, businesses that they could actually do in real life as a side hustle now, or we actually do it in my class. Mm. So how do you do this in terms of hands-on experiences? Uh, 
Is it project-based? Uh, do you have a specific curriculum that you are using? And what are and how do you help students actually learn about entrepreneurship? Can you have, well, you do have some stories, but will you please share some <laughs> stories you have? Sure. Um, it's evolved over the years. I initially applied for a grant from a local education foundation, and I told them that I wanted my students to learn hands-on. I wanted them to learn by doing. I wanted to assume some of the risk for them for being an entrepreneur. And for my students, that was the money to get started. So, you know, that first year was a little scary. There wasn't any curriculum that I had found to do what I wanted to do. So a lot of it was flying by the seat of my pants <laughs> and letting letting my students, you know, giving them a little bit of rope to, to go out and to try it. And we all learned together. So my students had a little bit of money and we, we found items that we wanted to customize and purchase and then sell. And when all was said and done, we... We donated our our proceeds back to the foundation that supported us because we thought it would be great for them to provide a grant to another willing person, someone else that wanted to do some good. And then we also donated the rest of our proceeds to another local charity. And we kept rolling on. So we we did really well. And it's evolved over the years. I've I've now started using simulations from Knowledge Matters. Knowledge Matters is a is a local company to Massachusetts, and they provide online simulations where students can run businesses and they learn about different areas of entrepreneurship. And then we practice what we've learned. And my students now create the products that they sell in our classroom makerspace instead of buying products that. Um, vendors would customize or vendors would, you know, assemble and give to us. We make everything we sell now. So we are still making everything now. We are donating our proceeds to local charities, the students select. And then we've also added another component where we make microloans to aspiring entrepreneurs around the world on Kiva.org. Wow. So we're also helping in other communities, we're helping our own community. My students are learning by doing. So we're touching upon a, a lot of different areas and they just, they really get into it. It's a lot of fun. Mm. So how has, I want to throw this out there to you because the world of business has changed a lot since the technological advances that we've seen occur over the past five years mm -hmm. and we saw even at home where everybody was on lockdown just how much these advances started to really shape retail and the food space and and all of these things how does teacher entrepreneurship change when now students can create let's say a drop shipping business where they don't even have to create the product they can create a shopify business <laughs> and all of a sudden that t-shirt that whatever those mugs whatever people order it it gets created and shipped out uh so uh, it, it's a different ball game now when when you look at this how does teaching entrepreneur, entrepreneurship now change given what technology what technology to, uh, technology is now <laughs> allows the entrepreneur to do 
It's funny that you mentioned that because the student's number one question usually is, how do I get into drop shipping? They want to know all about that because they want they want to start these side hustles now. And I feel like if I don't give them the information or at least make them aware that there are opportunities, there are also situations where they can get into a lot of trouble. Um, if they ask about drop shipping, I'll usually share an article with them where dum-dums are one of the most exploited dropship products. And the company that makes dum-dums reports every single one that they can find on Amazon until they get banned. And when they pop up again, dum-dums will report them again. And they don't care how much money that they spend on it because they just are very angry about it and they lose money on it. So I give them that as a, an example of <laughs> what drop shipping can do and how you can get yourself into trouble with it. Um, but we talk about all different types of businesses. We talk about um, the drop shipping. We talk about passive income. I show them an example of a man who turned one vending machine into a $300,000 a year um, business. We talk about franchising. We talk about starting your own business. I. I had a student that was running an Etsy shop through the <laughs> pandemic and she had to put her um, Etsy shop on vacation mode several times because she had so many orders, she couldn't keep up with them. Wow. And she was creating digital content. So it, it's just amazing that these students are, they're doing it now. So it's great that I can have them in class and we can talk about, you know, the steps they need to take to become legit and, and do things the right way and grow it even beyond what they are doing now and what they're going to do when they get out of school. So it's, it, it's just, it's fun. It's real. It's happening. Wow. And it's amazing. You, you say yet your student had this Etsy shop because I had a conversation with an ELA teacher in our district last year about, you know, her students telling her, Hey, I want to be a TikToker or have a YouTube channel when I grow up or whatever, right? So, you know, in addition to the doctor, lawyer, whatever, students are now seeing what's happening online or like, hey, I want to be this type of influencer. Or I want to create this type of content. And as a teacher, it's like, okay, the average teacher is like, what do I do with this, mm -hmm. right? Because I don't know who what this means because like even on the entrepreneurial level level as you know this is a new business model that is only you know being been in place i don't know past several years and not everyone is making that big money no right? and it's funny that you say that because there are two things that come to mind that for the first time ever all of these traditional jobs that we think of have been ousted as the number one goal for students. They, the number one goal for students is to become an influencer, but and I can't think of the percentage, but it's a super high percentage. I want to say it's in the nineties, like 90 something percent of influencers live below the poverty line. They, they're not all going to be the breakout where they're going to get you know millions of followers and have, you know, five figure sponsored posts, they're, they're just not all living in that space. So you can aspire to do that, but chances of being that one viral person that breaks out of, you know, 20,000 of them, it, it's probably not going to happen. So you need to have a backup plan or you need to 
plan for multiple streams of income. <laughs> wow, that it's just interesting because you know I, I'm online all the time. I'm watching YouTube, a lot of videos, particularly that 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 deals with entrepreneurship and, and personal finance, and I'm hearing all of these things, and then. I'm looking and I'm going, wow, for that student who was like, yeah, I want to create this content. <clears throat> and some of them could have, I mean, I don't, I, I, I'm never the person who wants to rain on a student's dreams or say, hey, you can't do that, you know, but it's like, how do you arm them with the information to encourage them to do this the right way, but also understand like, these are the challenges. These are the risks that are involved so they can make an informed decision. Mm -hmm. And as we, again, we look at this business landscape and how it's changing where, you know, I was talking to a kid uh, a few months ago in a class, you know, just kind of give him a little, little money game, you know, and I was saying, you know, Uber is a billion dollar business that doesn't own any property. Mm. Right. They don't own cars. Airbnb doesn't, they don't own homes. They no. own an app. Right. It's this whole sharing model <laughs> and they don't own anything except that sharing model and the the software behind it. It's amazing. <laughs> it's brilliant. It, 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 it is. It is. And so I was looking at them going saying like, this is how this business, this has changed so much. Because in the past, you had to own something, right? You had, right. And now you can create these businesses where, as you said, with the sharing model, I create the app and I just hire independent contractors that I pay no insurance to. I pay very little to do this, but I'm the one sitting back making all this money. Mm. And what does when you're talking to kids about entrepreneurship and things that happen you know this is a whole new ball game because even when you're talking about online shopping like direct to consumer i can now i don't need a retail space no yeah you don't right so this is like Woo, like as a teacher, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, as a teacher, I'm like, well, this is new territory going on. It right is. Now. And, you know, one of the things I do, we do talk about in class is that a lot of entrepreneurs, they, they start out doing it on the side. You know, they have their full-time job and they're doing this on the side just to make sure that they can make it. They're not jumping in both feet right at the beginning because they want to make sure that they can handle it. And you can you can marry these skills together and business and entrepreneurship are so interdisciplinary with other things. You know, the students that want to create content, you can look at graphic design. You can look at that with marketing and art skills and video editing or the design skills and graphic design. I mean, they all go together so well. You can have a day job in that and you can do this on the side and they very much mesh well. Um, and you had spoken before about the ELA teacher. Well, you can write copy and you can be a writer, but you can also develop content 
on the side, I mean, a lot of these things do go together. So if you wanted to aim to be an influencer, you can also have those skills that work well with us with a another job. And from your vantage point, and you've been doing this for a long time, you got a lot of receipts. You got a lot of a lot of receipts. What are some challenges that educators face when they're teaching entrepreneurship in K through twelve? And you mentioned how your kids are hands-on. They're making things. Uh, they're you're, you're taking your your profits and you're you're donating them. You're giving out micro loans. How did your teaching sort of evolve to where now it is super real, right? Because you also mentioned how you started out here. You was like, okay, I need to do something different. But you're like real, real hands on with these kids. So it's not some esoteric exercise like that happens in a lot of classes in K through 12. Your kids are really understanding market, product, advertising, promotion, all of those things. And it's not we're just talking about it, but your kids are actually getting this on the ground work. It, it definitely has evolved over the years. And there are times when we hit bumps in the road and the students feel that. You know, there are some semesters we're more successful than others. I'm happy to report we've never had a loss. So we've we've always come out on top. But so sometimes our donations are bigger or smaller, but we've always we've always been able to do the donations and do the loans. Um, but things affect us that affect other businesses. And we've had to halt and we've had to really say, OK, so how are we going to combat this bump in the road? How are we going to deal with competitors. Somebody might pop up and start selling something very similar to ours, or we might have to pivot if assembling this item doesn't work. Okay, how are we going to salvage all of these materials we just bought? What are we going to do? Um, we got sent home during the pandemic, and we didn't get to do a business that semester, but I still wanted my students to have a hands-on uh, experience. So what did I do? I was allowed to go back into the school once, I went back into the school. I cleared out my closet with all of my leftover stuff from all of the projects we had done before. I sent home a package to each of my 100 students and each package had random stuff like pieces of wood or dowels or buttons, um, pipe cleaners, felt, anything I could find. I gave each student a Sharpie and a glue stick and I turned it into them building a prototype of an invention. So I wanted them to still have that hands-on component, even though we were all sent home and doing nothing but remote online work. So even though they went home and they didn't get to do a business, they still got to invent. They still got to build and get a hands-on thing. Um, and they were probably surprised to get a package from me when they got home, um, but I couldn't not give them that experience. I had to do something. So, you know, that's how we pivoted during the pandemic. Um, and then once we started back up, coming back to school, you know, the supply chain hit us. We would order things and they wouldn't show up or we'd order things and they'd be late and we'd have to find another way to get our hands on materials, even though they were more expensive. And we'd have to figure out, well, is the profit going to be worth it? Are we going to have to charge a little bit more? Are people still going to buy it? So there's been a lot of things that we've run into and it just echoes what's happening out there. So the students are getting ready for it. 
I love. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and because to me, this is what school should be about. Even if you're teaching ELA or you're teaching a math class, it needs to be grounded in in the real world and what students are doing, and not just I'm teaching to this test, but getting kids excited about that that subject, right? Getting kids to kind of wrap their brains around, wow, I can do this with that, and even figure out how they can apply that to other to other areas. Because, uh, listen, I am, with my job in teaching teachers how to use technology, I have gone into classrooms where I have to sit down and observe teachers. And some classrooms are excited. I'm a, I'm smiling. I'm getting up. I'm taking big pictures, some sample video. I'm like, oh, this, woo, she's doing it. <laughs> and other classes, I'm sitting here going like, please do not fall asleep. <laughs> do not fall asleep. Because the it's, it's that old school sit and get. It's that old school sit and get. It, there's no connection to this. You know, when I say this, I mean that fire that I think everyone has to learn something and to be a part and engage in what they're in what they're learning. Because uh, if you've taught something, everyone has been in a room, whether you teach adults or you teach kids, where somebody's going to be asked, "Why are we here? Mm -hmm. Why am I learning this?" Because the relevancy just isn't there. And to that point, when how can just regular ed teachers, because I believe entrepreneurship should not just be one class. I think your your class is dope, but I think entrepreneurial thinking and kids being able to apply uh, concepts and think about things in that way should be across the board. How can teachers integrate entrepreneurship into their classrooms, specifically when they don't have a background in business? Well, like I said before, I, I think it can be very interdisciplinary. You know, we we cover marketing. Marketing is so intertwined with art. There's so much art in, involved in graphic design, coming up with an ad concept or product design and engineering. I, I have worked with both art teachers and the engineering teacher when we do advertisements when we create a product um, I've actually gone into the engineering classes where they have designed products and built models and they have had me and one of our other business teachers in our department um, give them critique on how the pricing would work or how they would um, market it to different customers so we are already working with other teachers in that way um, I could see you know, foreign language departments using business vocabulary because there are no businesses that don't aim to operate internationally. So knowing the the vocabulary would that would be a great way, even if you don't know the terminology in depth or you're not familiar with the the concepts and you know what it you know how it it would be using it out in the real world. At least knowing how to translate the words, that would be great. So I could see that being being very well, working very well. Um, 
you know, in ELA, you could read business cases. You could study a business case or read current events. I mean, I could see this working well in a lot of different places, not necessarily having to be an expert on business itself, but it could dovetail nicely. I hear you. I love the examples. I love the examples because I just really think at this point, given where we are, uh, that that type of thinking is necessary because we, our economy is moving far away from the factory model because a lot of our industries have shifted because we don't even make a lot of stuff here anymore. So that whole idea of I need to learn this way because I need to be in an assembly line because I'm going to put my piece in here. It's going to go down there. They're going to put their piece in there and blah, blah, blah. So much of that out the manufacturing home base has moved. And now when you look at jobs, people have to think. It's very knowledge-based. You have to think creatively. You have to work in teams. Uh, and some of your team, people may be in another state. They could be overseas. So being able to communicate online and, and have these Zoom calls and still be productive, which I know a lot of folk, ooh, they're over that Zoom by this point. But, <laughs> you know, it's a different world with different type of skill sets needed. So it, the city it gets, is. to me should be done with. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because there are, there are times in my entrepreneurship classes. I, I, I have three this semester. I will make them work with each other in another class. So they never see each other in person, but they will have to work with a partner in a different class. And they look at me like, well, how are we going to do that? I'm like, come on, you you just got off of a year and a half of remote learning. And just because we're not doing this on Zoom doesn't mean you can't communicate with each other. You have shared documents. You can collaborate over those documents. You can work together on things like that. You don't actually have to ever be in the same room together. You don't need to do this over a Zoom call. And they, they get it done. Wow, that is amazing. That's Y'all learning something today, people. Y'all learning <laughs> something today. I'm learning something today. I love this. I love this so much. When you are looking at what you've done and, and you've been able to amass a lot of different uh, resources and, and, and really look at what is out there that you can bring into your classroom, tell us some resources or tools or programs that are available to help teachers who are interested in teaching entrepreneurship in K-12. So I have really, um, I've gone out there and I've applied for a lot of things. You can only be told no. So I have applied for grants. I've applied for awards. I have looked for opportunities that would add to my classroom. I was very successful on getting different projects fulfilled on donors choose. So that helped me really get supplies, tools, different things for my classroom so my students would have stuff in general to work with. Um, I won a grant just like, two weeks ago and it was for, it was from Knowledge Matters. So I'm very honored to share that. Um, and it was for using the simulations. And so that is actually going to pay for our software for the next two years. So it frees up money in the budget to you know, to go toward the program and, and get us other things. Um, I've won other things that 
we're able to add to the classroom and offset some of our costs for the students. And sorry, the students don't pay for anything. That's not what I meant. Um, it just offsets the costs of running, um, you know, supplies and materials. Um, we are completely self-funded. We do not take money from the budget for anything. So we are, my program is completely self-funded. We have never used anything other than what we generate on our own. Mm. So I, I go out of my way. I, you know, I have crowdfunded materials before. Uh, one semester I focused on the students thinking about upcycling. So we made candles, we poured candles in my classroom and we poured them into baby food jars. So I wanted them to think about what components could we save from a landfill or give a second shot on life before being recycled. And they thought about pouring into baby food jars. So we put out a message saying we'd like to rescue baby food jars before you recycle them. Let's give them a second life. Or another semester, we we sewed scrunchies. We scrunchies made a made a comeback one a couple of years back and we asked if anyone had fabric and if you know anyone that sews they have they usually have quite a stash of fabric i even brought in fabric and we had people sending in fabric like crazy we made maybe 300 scrunchies and we didn't spend a penny on any of it because all the fabric thread and elastic was donated so we made products out of all donated materials. So things like that you can do and you don't even need to come up with money to get started. I think, well, I, okay, I'm going to trade lightly with this. Okay. I think all teachers who approach this profession do so because they want to make an impact on their students and not just I'm teaching ELA they're learning about inferencing and grammar and all those other such but they are becoming different type of people what have you been able to see in your students from the first day of class to the end of the school year that you're like oh my gosh so and so was a shy person or so-and-so uh, their thought process about life world, the possibilities like this is just like, this fills my cup. Like what are you seeing in your students from a personal level from them undergoing learning about entrepreneurship? It's, it's the students that never had an interest in business and they become all about business and they get excited where they want to become entrepreneurs or they want to take another class in our department. I I always joke that I love getting my hooks into freshmen because they never leave. They come back and take another class with us, whether or not they end up getting me again or they get into a class with one of my colleagues. I love it. I love that they want to come back and take another class. I think that's the the best compliment that I can ever get. Uh, because they want to learn more. They want to expand their skill set. Um, if they're in my entrepreneurship class, I want to have them in personal finance. I want them to come back and expand their knowledge and use it personally um, to, to better themselves, to set them up for the future. 
I just, I get really excited about it. <laughs> I want them to come back to our department and do an internship when they're a senior. I want them, they can serve as a teaching assistant. I'll have them come in and I will work with them on special projects. I just, I get really excited when they take more and more of our classes. And I, I think that's where, when they, that bell goes off and they just go, wow, this, this is what I want to know more about. That's, that's what gets me excited. That's all right. Now, when I throw this out there to you, who is an entrepreneur in the game out there that has inspired you and that you've been able to take some of their gems and bring that back into your teaching? Hmm. Wow, that one's tough. <laughs> I'm going to, instead of saying one particular person, I am going to go with the, I love this word, I'm going to go with the kidpreneurs because I, I talk to my students about the kidpreneurs and the teenpreneurs. I love, I love those words. I always tell my students that I'm jealous of the kid printers who have looked at something and just said, why doesn't this exist? Or why is this being done this way? It's so dumb. I'm going to fix it. And they do. They come up with something that's so creative and is just staring everyone in the face and they, they fix it. Or they come up with something that's so creative that everyone goes, oh, duh. Why didn't we do that? <laughs> <laughs> and they make millions of dollars. Like they just do something that's so natural to them that everyone else is like scratching their heads and wondering why didn't we think of that? And I just love that. I love seeing those kind of kids on Shark Tank when they are so confident and they are so excited and and you're thinking, wow, this kid is eight years old. And look at what they've accomplished. And I'm in my 40s. And what have I done? <laughs> so I'm going with the kidpreneurs of the world because they're just amazing. And I can't wait to see what they're going to do when they grow up. Um, you know, that confidence and that inspiration. I, I just I love that. Mm. That's interesting. That's interesting. I, you know, I was like, because because I'm sitting here thinking, OK, is it going to be Steve Jobs? You know, like, who, who is she going to say? Who's she going to say? That's all right. That is all right. It's It's been awesome speaking with you. Thank you. It's been so much fun. I'm glad we finally got to do this. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Now, before we go, again, like I said, you have the receipts. You've been teaching. You have all of this experience. You have been You've, you've talked about how you, your teaching has evolved as the landscape of business has evolved. And as we are seeing more and more things, you know, heading online and people, I mean, people, y'all got to know this online business game is no joke because you have people like Amy Porterfield and Marie Forleo and others who have these you know, entrepreneurship camps and academies and 
people are creating courses via Kajabi or Thinkific or et cetera. There are people out here making millions of dollars, people, okay, off of these courses and online businesses and these apps. And I'm just like, ooh, I get excited. I get excited uh, because I just look at not only the creativity involved, the problem solving involved, but the opportunity to create that legacy and that generational wealth to be able to pass down because you know, you can't pass down a job, right? Or would you ever want to pass down a job, I guess. Uh, you know, but the fact that you could pass down to your children and their children's children where they never have to be concerned about housing, where the next meal is going to come from and be free to just follow their dreams because they're not thinking or constrained about, I got to do this because I need this money. But they're able to follow their passions. Th those are the things that really, when I think about entrepreneurship <clears throat> and the power of it and what it can do to change individuals, families, communities, I mean, it gets me geeked up. I know some people, <laughs> you, you know, they, 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 they see my passion for it and, you know, some people are annoyed by it. You know, I've had people come at me about it because I push it so hard. But, you know, that's one of the reasons why I dig it so much. You know, uh, before we go, how do you envision the future of entrepreneurship in K-12 through education? Where, where do you see it going? What role do you see it playing and shaping the next generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders? Well, first of all, I hope it becomes more generally available. I I don't think it's as common as some other classes or some other electives in schools. So I, I hope it becomes more generally available to students because I think we're seeing a lot more students right now start these side hustles. I think mm -hmm. they're starting a lot of businesses on their own right now. And I, I would hope that if schools can recognize that that's happening or that students are becoming more interested in doing that, that they would have an interest in helping them, you know, do it in a manner that's going to be legal, legit, you know, make sure that they know how to set up their business with the town, make sure they know what they're doing with their taxes, um, make sure that they protect themselves and have insurance and, you know, do the things that you need to do to set up a business and do it in, in the proper manner. Um, so I think that would be, that would be my goal. Um, and also get personal finance out there, you know, make sure that's a requirement everywhere. <laughs> I can't, I can't say that about entrepreneurship and then not, not include personal finance. I think they're both really, really important. And I would love to see, I would love to see them both just be generally available to students, give them the choice, let them let them have access to things that we know that they're going to want for the future. No, no doubt, because making money, you can't keep the money. That's sad. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that has to be, be, be devastating. You know, um, I, I interviewed a person who worked in uh, the financial services industry 
on my podcast a few years ago. And she even talked about some of her friends who had these great jobs and lifestyle creep mm. kicked in. Right. And so you can you can be that pediatrician, uh, that optometrist, and on paper, your money is nice. And people are, are like, what's going on? But you broke because mm-hmm. that hundred hundred fifty thousand dollars that's a salary isn't going anywhere because you're out there spending that money like <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying? You know, you're not managing it, you're not saving it, you're not investing uh you're you're not you know trying to make your money work for you but you're just out there like yo i'm gonna get that tesla i'm gonna Mm -hmm. buy this type of house i'm gonna wear these type of clothes i'm gonna eat this type of way and you're in a situation where you're living paycheck to paycheck which you should not right (laughs) right i one of the things i always tell my students is that when you get a raise or a bump in salary bump everything, bump your savings, bump your retirement, bump it all, because you're going to see that just fizzle away and you're not going to, you're not going to benefit from it. You, you don't miss what you never saw. Yes, yes, yes. It's, it's, it's crazy. Like even the wife and I, it was crazy because, you know, we went home and the student loan payments stopped coming, right? They stopped taking the money because we had our stuff on, on automatic pay. Stopped taking them. And for a while, we were just like, you know what? We, we Hey, we loving this. We, and then I, then I sat back and I said, ooh, I missed an opportunity to put that away. That student loan payment and savings. Mm. I missed an opportunity. And then that's when I started to say that student loan payment is now going up in savings. So mm-hmm. now I can sit back and just stack it, stack it, stack it, stack it, stack it. And so I'm waiting on my waiting on my loans to be forgiven. Oh, fingers crossed. Oh <laughs> yeah, keep I, them I, crossed for you. Well, I, you know, I got the, I got Mohila hit me up. So the my I've done the 120 payments. So it's just a matter of somebody just mm-hmm. going through and signing off on it. So I'm going to be like, please, please <laughs> get this out of my life. Uh, and so I can definitely be, you know, be focused. Um, I'm just hoping that from this conversation that we're having and people listen to my podcast, hopefully they're listening to others that they look at their, their finances, not as just something else to do uh, as, as people treat technology in the classroom, sometimes a burden and add on a distraction, you know, like this is why I don't do these things, but understand the importance of how your everyday life is impacted by the financial decisions that you make on a day-to-day basis. And no, I'm not talking about that Starbucks because hopefully none of us are in a situation where a $5 cup cup of coffee is going to put you behind on your rent or your mortgage. Uh, But I'm talking about you making some big purchases unnecessarily 
or you know you know how it is you know you go to a walmart because that can get you in trouble too but you go to a walmart and in your mind you're like i need some eggs i need this i need this and this and then you look up you're like i got five hundred dollars <laughs> in my cart like how did that happen <laughs> right so you know making sure that those choices don't get you caught up not the five dollar uh Starbucks. Though I know a lot of financial people, they're like, "Put stop Starbucks." No, if that five other cup of Starbucks is your problem, you got bigger problems than Starbucks. Uh, leave it at that. So, thank you again. <laughs> thank you again Thanks. for coming on the podcast. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Now, people, you know how I do this. This podcast episode is going to be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible. I need you to subscribe and to share with your network. And though I am on all major podcast platforms, I'm trying to grow an Apple Podcast. So please listen. Please subscribe. Give me some ratings. Give me some stars. Holler at your boy because I'm trying to get found and I'm trying to get Oprah on the show and I want her to know that we're doing big things around here. Again, I'd like to thank my guest Jacqueline Collins for coming on and dropping so many gems. People, she brought it to us today. And I want to thank you for checking out another episode of the Dr. Will Show. As always, people, invest in you. E to you. Peace. <laughs>